0: We do invite you to remain standing for the reading of God's holy word. Today, our scripture comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 13, verses 1 through 12. Let's give our attention to the reading of God's word. Later that same day, Jesus left the house and sat beside the lake. A large crowd soon gathered around him, so he got into a boat. Then he sat there and taught as the people stood on the shore. He told many stories in the form of parables, such as this one Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. As he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on a footpath and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was, the soil was shallow, but the plants soon wilted under the hot sun. And since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil And they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even a hundred times as much as had been planted. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. His disciples came and asked him, why do you use parables when you talk to the people? He replied, you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but others are not. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given and they will have an abundance of knowledge. But to those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen. You all may be seated. Let us pray. So Lord, we do pray. We pray for your grace and your goodness. We pray for your abundance of knowledge today. Lord, if we are limited, Lord, would you reveal something beyond our imagination of who you are, your love for us, and your goodness for this world. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. It was a rainy Sunday morning, and young Jameson Reynolds was pestering his mom. He had wanted to go to church and Sunday school, and she had promised that they would go on Sunday. Now even though Karen grew up Methodist and lived just a quarter of a mile from the Mustang United Methodist Church, she wasn't going to come to this church on that day. She had plans to go to the city, to a church that was there, but it was raining. Now sometimes God uses rain in all sorts of different ways and sometimes he uses it to help crops to flourish and other times he uses it to direct people where to go. And so on that day in the rain, instead of driving to a church in the city, Karen and Jameson Reynolds pulled up into Mustang United Methodist Church for Sunday school and worship, and she hasn't left since. Day after day, week after week, Sunday after Sunday, one of the few constants for us as a church and as individuals over the last 31 years has been Karen it's been the opportunity to to come and to see her to go into her office and get candy to be around her and day after day week after week month after month of loving others she has done 31 years as our program minister here now ministry in life is not easy I know that there have there were days before that she thought there's no way that I'm gonna make it to 31 years because today is going to be my last day. Y'all have driven me crazy, and I'm out of here. It's hard working with people, right? People are the best and the worst, and sometimes on the same day. Ministry is, is hard. You wanna you believe that you're doing the work of the Lord, but then sometimes as we go about it, we find ourselves doing these menial tasks, and we're wondering. Does anything I do make a difference? You try to teach kids and they're all over the place. You try to teach adults and they're hard-hearted. Am I making a difference? And you have probably wondered that as well. And what I doing in life worth it? Am I, am I spending my time in, in the ways that I need to? Am I giving the way that I'm supposed to? Is this mattering at all? Am I making a difference? I think it's one of the most common questions that we ask is... is, is Am I making a difference? And and it's so easy in our world to to hear the answer is no, because because we live in a world that that really has this idea of a scarcity mindset. Now, some of you may be familiar with this term, but the idea of a scarcity mindset is it's this pervasive feeling of not having enough. Um, It's this pervasive feeling of not believing that we are enough that there is something that is missing, right? I mean, this is what advertising tries to get us to understand is that you are not enough unless you have this. And once you have this, then everything will be all right until you realize you don't have something else. But we can't buy all the things we see on TV. We can't have all the relationships that we want to have. And life feels so overwhelming and full. To me, the perfect example of this comes from Saved by the Bell. There's an episode in Saved by the Bell where, where Jessie Spano is overwhelmed with life. And one of the things she says is she says, there's no time. There's never any time. Have you felt like that? I'm so excited. I'm so scared. I said this at the first service. And I like looked around and there was like five people that were nodding their heads about like Saved by the Bell. There's more of you all in this room of like, yeah, Saved by the Bell. I got you, Aaron. I'm there. But we, we have this idea that, that there's a limited amount That time is is so finite and and there's only so much that can happen. And in fact, I cannot do, I cannot be, I cannot accomplish all that I want to do. And so what we begin to do is we begin to hoard what we can control. We begin to take for ourselves. And this is what the world tries to tell you to do. Take what is yours. It's a me game. It's not a we game. And so you got to take care of yourself you got to be selfish, is what the world says. Nobody else will care about you, so you have to be the only one who will really care about you. There's a scarcity of love. There's a scarcity of goodness. And in the bad place, it is a scarcity mindset. There is not enough, and there is never enough. But that is not the kingdom of God. And that is not the good place. And so in this series, what we're looking at is we're looking at at the things of the bad place versus the things of the good place. And so in the bad place, it is the scarcity mindset, but in the good place, there is an abundant mindset, that there is actually more than we can imagine and that life can be bigger and better and more joyful than you and I can even begin to think. And that's one of the things that I love about the parable of the sower, is because the first thing that you need to know about the parable of the sower is that the sower was a terrible sower. Now, I don't know anything about gardening or harvesting, so I googled it, right? And so I googled seed sower just to see what would come up. And, um, and so there are, there are seed sower things you can buy at Home Depot um, and other places that will, tell, that will precisely plant seeds in the ground for the maximum amount of effectiveness and growth. And so if you drive by a field, right, this is what we see. We see these lo- orderly lines and perfectly placed plants. And, and, and they do this for a reason, right? Is so that they have a limited, a scarce amount of field, and they want to maximize the amount of stuff that they can grow. And so they measure it out, they make it precise, they have these lines so that it's perfectly orderly, just perfection. This makes people like Karen Reynolds happy. They like the lines and the order. Perfect. But that is not God. That's not the sower. It says that that he scattered seeds. He didn't place them precisely. He scattered them and they went all along different soil. I was trying to think, what would this be like? And it reminds me of a flower girl at a wedding. If you've been to a wedding where there's a flower girl, and what I tell all of my couples whenever I ask, do you have a flower girl? And, and if they say yes, then I say, okay, almost anything that flower girl will do will be cute. So just relax. And then, but, but a flower girl, you know, there are some that, that their mom has trained them what to do, and so they are so precise. They're like, two here, right? And two here, and they keep going down. But most flower girls don't have a clue what they're doing they're like three so they shouldn't right and so they just like some of them will like dump out the whole flowers all at the back of the sanctuary right others will just be so nervous they'll just won't scatter any others will just throw them all over the place right i mean and this is what it's like in the kingdom of god is that the sower is more like a flower girl at a wedding than he is a farmer that we see today where everything has to be precise He scatters them wildly because in the good place, God is reckless with his love. He is scattering seeds and he is not trying to say, oh, this one gets love because they have more potential, so I need to to do this. No, no, no. He just scatters seeds wildly of his love, of his grace, of his truth, hoping and praying that it sinks into our soil. It sinks into our hearts. And and then he talks about in this parable the four different kinds of soils, the four different kinds of hearts in which God's goodness and grace and love and truth and mercy get to. Now the first kind is a hard heart. I know nobody here is hard hearted. Nobody here is stubborn. But just in case. This is what it says. Now one of the good things about this parable is that later on in Matthew 13 he actually explains this parable. Which makes my job as a pastor way easier Because I just, I don't have to figure out. What is he trying to say? He tells us what he is trying to say. And he says that the first part in this, when someone hears the news of the kingdom and doesn't take it in, it just remains on the surface. And so that the evil one can come along and pluck it right out of the person's heart. And so this is what happens for some of us is we have a hard heart. And there are people with a hard heart who where when God throws a seed of love, a seed of truth, a seed of mercy or grace, It doesn't sink in because we've already made our mind that nothing is going to sink in. Maybe there are some of us here who have a hard heart because of pain that we've experienced in the past. And we've made a vow, I'm never going to experience that pain again. And so if love was to come and try to find its way in, it couldn't find its way in. Right? Sometimes we have this hard heart. Sometimes we're so convinced in our own ways that we're not going to listen to the voice of truth that will convince us of a whole other way. Maybe some of us have hard hearts today about something or someone here. The next kind of heart is a shallow heart. It can't go deep. This is what it says, the seed cast in the gravel. This is the person who hears and instantly responds with enthusiasm. But there is no soil of character, and so when the emotions wear off and some difficulties arrive, there is nothing to show for it. Maybe this is you too. Maybe this is me. Right? Are you the kind of person that has tried 22 different diet fads because you think maybe the next one will be the right one? Right? That, that we're, and for a while it feels good, but then it doesn't work again. Right? It, it, it flares up, but then it comes down. And maybe we've done the same thing with God, as we've thought something good would happen, and, and so we get excited about God, we join a Bible study, and then we just sort of filter away because it doesn't have the root the soil hasn't been worked and cultivated in the way that it needs to. And so when difficulty arrive, we think that difficulties are a curse from God instead of an opportunity from God, that we are to use it as an opportunity to grow in our faith. I said it in Sunday school this morning, one of my least favorite scriptures, so one of my favorite scriptures is this. It comes from James. It says, blessed are those, um, what does it say? Blessed are you when you face trials of many kinds. Um, because the, the trials um, produce perseverance, which results in maturity. Consider it pure joy. That's it. I was taking another one. Here's this one. James, too. Some of you are like, Aaron, that's not what you were saying. James, James, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you go through trials of many kinds. And then all of us are like, that's a terrible idea. When I go through trials of many kinds, I'm never like, woohoo, thank you, Jesus. But that's what Scripture says. Consider it pure joy. Consider it the opportunity to trust and rely on God. When you face trials of many kinds, because it produces perseverance, which is needed for us to be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And so oftentimes in our shallow heart, whenever there's adversity, we say, oh, this God thing must not work. Ah," And we step away instead of really allowing our heart to be deeply cultivated. Now, there are some of us who have a conflicted heart. And these are the weeds that strangle it. It says the seed cast in the weeds is the person who hears the kingdom news. But weeds of worry and illusions about getting more and wanting everything under the sun, those things of earth, strangle what was heard and nothing comes of it. I imagine that there are some of us in this room who have a conflicted heart because we want to follow Jesus and we love God, but, but there are times in which we can become consumed by the news or something happens and we, we become so worried about it and the worry takes us away from the one who loves us and who is for us and who is with us in the midst of it and so this worry shouts louder than the whispers of God and we find our hearts conflicted in the worries of life and so we get trampled out and nothing comes of it but what you and I are called to have are what is called a tender heart a soft heart a heart of flesh The seed cast on good earth is the person who hears and takes in the news and then produces a harvest beyond the wildest dreams. And so this is really where we need to be. It's to a place in which we come every Sunday and we come every day and we say, Lord, here I am. I'm open to what it is, the truth that you have, and I believe that the seeds you plant in my heart and in my life can grow and blossom beyond what I think or imagine they can be. And so I'm here Teach me, show me, love me. And what happens is, is that it is a multiplying and an exponential growth that happens when we have a soft heart towards what God is doing. Did you hear the words of Jesus? To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given, and they will have an abundance of knowledge. Now, when he's talking about knowledge, I don't think that he means that we're going to have the right Bible verses memorized up here. I think we're going to have the abundance of the knowledge of the love of God, the abundance of the knowledge of the wisdom of God to know what the next right thing is, the abundance of knowledge to know that God is for us, that he's not against us, and that God is working even when we cannot see it. And so in the kingdom of God, in the good place, abundance is possible. There is not this scarcity It's not that there's just a little bit of love to go around, but here there is more love and more goodness and more truth than we can imagine. And that's what we want to do. And we know that as a church because we believe in abundance because we've seen the ministry and the life of Karen Reynolds. We have seen and experienced somebody who has loved, who has received the love of God and has shared the love of God in such a way that it has multiplied so many times over and over and over. I am a better human, let alone a better pastor because of you, Karen. One of the things that Karen, um, I've taken for granted. Oh, I'll get to that. That one's good. I'm going to save that for a little bit. But here's what I want you to know. Uh, We're all better humans because of you, Karen. Because you have made time and energy. You've done the things that other people don't want to do so that we can, whenever we get in the room, we can be teaching, we can be preaching, we can be focused on what is going on. And so Karen, I invite you to just take a look around and just look at the faces of these people who have loved you and that you have loved well. The people who have lost loved ones, that you were right there on their couch with them. You have been a first call of so many. And I know and trust That our Father is saying to you today and will say again, well done, my good and faithful servant. This is what it means to be part of the kingdom of God. Is to have this abundance of love and life. And there are days in which it did not feel worth it. But my hope is today it feels worth it. And Karen knows this because she knows she has been loved by God. I mean, this is one of the things that I know to be true, is that she knows that she is loved by God. Now, you may be out there thinking, but Aaron, I can't do this. Like, I mean, I can't have the legacy and the ministry of Karen. I cannot do what she has done. But I can pretty much guarantee you that if we would have asked Karen 35, 40 years ago, Karen, can you imagine this day? A day in which there will be a church full of people that will say thank you. A day in which you will have worked 31 years at a church. A day in which we will celebrate all these seeds. She would have said no. Now it's not my t- time to share her story. She shared it up here before. Um, and, and part of what, uh, what her story has is, is that there were some dark moments in that. There were some times in which she had walked away from God. And there were times in which some terrible things had happened. But God never gave up on her, and God's not going to give up on you. And God is making a way, and he wants you to have an abundant harvest to make a difference. And so your story isn't over. Your story's just begun. Failure's never final when the father's in the room. And those words are true for Karen. They were true 30-some-odd years ago, and they're just as true today, Karen. Your story isn't over. Your story's just begun. And I know you're holding what is most precious to you now. All the grandkids are equally loved, by the way. She just happens to be sitting the closest. That's very important uh, for Mimi, um, uh, is to be able to just walk with love. Now, I feel bad for Karen, because her name is Karen. (laughs) Let's, Let's be honest. You know, a few years ago, Karen was a fine name, but now Karen it kind of has this bad rap, right? Like, "Eh, don't be a Karen, we say, right? You're entitled, you kind of go, you know, it's like, ah, my point, I just feel like I'm allowed to say whatever I'm allowed to say. But what I have realized about Karen, um, and, and there have been many, many days, as I've been the pastor here over the past three years, when I was more like the Karen who walked into her office and basically said, I don't care what you're doing. This is more important. And Karen would stop what she was doing and she would, at least to me and to others, appear as if (laughs) I was way more important than what was going on in that moment. That 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 interruption was exactly what she needed and what we needed. And so sometimes I would tell her things that, you know, I wanted done. And of course, she would just get right on that. It was amazing. I had to be careful with Karen. I I think out loud. And so I had to be like, Karen, I'm just thinking. So you don't need to do anything yet. But other times I would come in and you would come in. And she'd be working on something because she always has a to-do list that's never done. But the most important thing on her to do list is the person that's right in front of her. And she would stop and she would listen. She would listen to understand. Now, the great thing about Karen is full of grace and truth. So she would listen and then she'd say, Well, stop that. Why are you doing that? Or she would say, Keep going. You've got this. Whatever it is that you needed. We need that grace, we need that truth, and she'd offer both. And so for me, while the world may think, says, don't be a Karen. For us here at Mustang United Methodist Church, I want us to be a Karen. I want us to be the kind of person that puts people ahead of projects. I want us to be the kind of person that listens instead of talks. I want us to be the kind of person that believes that God can do abundantly more than we can ask, think, or even imagine. I want us to be the kind of person that loves because they have been loved so much. Let us pray. So God, we thank you for the example of Karen. And we thank you for your generosity to her. You have sown seeds of love into her heart that have flourished and have grown. She has had good soil and a good heart. To be transformed by your love. And we pray that we would be transformed by your love today. And we pray that we would remember people, people, people. Love, love, love. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.